Welcome into NBC Sports's newest podcast, highlighting all things Big Ten basketball. I'm going to check our camaraderie, folks, right off the bat. This is called Go Big or Go Home. Go Home. Okay. Okay. I was like, come on. That was a freebie. That was a freebie. Uh, I'm Zora Stevenson, play-by-play announcer, has-been hooper, and all-around basketball junkie. I'm so excited to talk men's and women's Big Ten hoops. What a time to be uh, a Big Ten basketball fan. Joining us are two analysts who know this league around the world and back. So, so excited to have Megan McEwen and, and Robbie Hummel here. Robbie is one of the all-time great Boilermakers. Uh, what a time to be a Purdue fan, too. We'll get into that. Megan McEwen, a former Northwestern women's basketball player who now does color commentary for various uh, leagues, mostly with the Big Ten, though. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, just as someone who kind of grew up in ACC territory, dare I even say that, that league here, what would you summarize and how would you characterize Big Ten basketball, Megan? Like if you were going to give me a style of play in the Big Ten specifically for the women, how would you break it down? It prioritizes having the traditional back-to-the-basket big, which we all love if you're a guard because it means that you just have more opportunities to shoot. Um, And it's a league where night in, night out from top to bottom – it's unbelievable the ability for some of the teams that are in those top spots to lose to some of the ones that are in the bottom spots. It's, there's just so much. I keep forgetting the word for it, but basically any given night, anybody can come out and win. So it's really – there's not a ton of room between the top teams and the bottom teams. It's always a fun fun league, especially when you get into February. So much variety uh, in the Big Ten right now. Seven teams last season went to the NCAA tournament on the women's side. So um, you don't just have to be a Big Ten fan, right? If you're a women's basketball fan, more times than not, you're watching a team in this league. Robbie, what's your summary on the men's side for how they play the game in this league? I think what Megan said for the women translates equally well to the men. You know, think about all the good bigs that that the men's Big Ten has had over the last four or five seasons. And it's it that tradition stays the same this year with Zach Eady coming back, National Player of the Year from last season, probably the favorite to win National Player of the Year uh, this year as well. The physicality of the league stands out. I think that certainly is something that you don't see in some of the other major power conferences. Um, and then kind of what Megan was talking about, I'll call it depth. The depth of the league where on any given night, you know, you can get beat by anybody. There's no cupcakes. And even when I played in the Big Ten, I was I was at Purdue from 07 to 12. There was a couple teams that at that point in time you could call get-right games. And there aren't any get-right games anymore. Every team, every night, it's going to be a battle. And, uh, you know, I think at times you see teams get into stretches where they lose three, four games. and You can get beaten down in this league if you don't right the ship quickly. Appreciate that that breakdown. Let's get to what's going on to start this. Is it even fair to do predictions? I have really, really strong opinions about predictions because I feel like they're always wrong. But you all get paid to do these predictions. Um, first off, just on the topic of predictions, how do you even begin? Do you go based off of what they did last season, Robbie? Or are you looking to some of the newcomers, the transfer portal? How, how did you pick kind of your top teams in the Big Ten? I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, I, I think it's certainly you have to look at what teams did last season, um, but who they add, who they bring back is is so important. Uh, so for me, you know, I, I look at a team like Purdue. Yeah, everybody's back. And I guess with Purdue, so much gets talked about a way, the way that their season ended against Fairleigh Dickinson losing to a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. But 
at the same time, they, they were picked six in the league to, to start last year, and they win the Big Ten regular season by three games. They win the Big Ten tournament. They did a lot of good things while starting two freshman guards in Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. So I, I look at the whole body of work, but I, I think you have to also look at who's on this team. And, you know, it, it's certainly a variety of factors that go into it when, when you're talking about preseason prognications. Purdue isn't the only name in the top 25, Michigan State and Illinois on the men's side. Join that group. Any teams that should be in there that aren't talking top 25? Well, I think now, you know, with the way that Michigan has played, they blasted St. John's last night um, at Madison Square Garden in the world's most famous arena. So Doug McDaniel has clearly been in the gym. He has been phenomenal. Uh, for You could say it's Jawan Howard's team, but Phil Martelli right now is coaching Michigan. Um, as Jawan recovers from his heart procedure from the summertime. But I, I think that they are, are going to be looked at as a team that could be ranked going to next week, um, and which is crazy because you lose Kobe Bufkin, lottery pick. You lose Jet Howard, lottery pick. You lose Hunter Dickinson, one of the best big men in college basketball. He transfers to Kansas, and it just seems like maybe the pieces fit a little bit better. They're better defensively. And they just, they're playing a much more aesthetically pleasing style of basketball this year. And I'll throw Wisconsin in there as well. Lost to Tennessee last Friday, but Tennessee, I think, could be a team that makes to the Final Four national championship type level with the way they defend and some of the new pieces the Volunteers have on the offensive end of the floor. They're going to be a team that can make a deep, deep run in the tournament. Wisconsin gave them all they wanted at home, fell, fell a little bit short. But I think that A.J. Store gives them a little bit different look from what we've seen from Wisconsin teams here um, really since since maybe the Bo Ryan era, just a dynamic get downhill, fast twitch guard that um, they certainly haven't had the last couple of seasons. So that core is back. I like Wisconsin as well. I'll go Wisconsin and Michigan. Okay. I appreciate those additions. And it's so early, right? Like when I was playing, coaches used to say there was three seasons, right? There's the non-conference schedule, there's the conference schedule, and then you, you hope there's that, that third season, whether it is your conference tournament or beyond, right? NCAA, NIT, whatever your goals are. Megan, on the women's side, there are four teams in the top 25. There was five before Illinois lost mm -hmm. to Marquette this past weekend. Um, anybody else we should probably have our eyes on? And, and where do you feel like the conference is at as a whole as it pertains to the level of talent in the Big Ten? There were some surprising losses uh, in the first week of the season. I was surprised that Indiana lost as badly as they did to Stanford um, at Stanford on Sunday. So that was interesting. But, you know, we talk about preseason rankings. And, yes, it's it's a huge, you know, hot take that we all get to talk about as media. Before, gives us something to do in October, uh, headed into November. But all these teams are learning how to play together. And now, so more than ever, you're seeing teams that are – preseason ranked in the top five it's look at LSU on the women's side or look at Michigan State on the men's side and they are losing these opening games or in the first week but you have to keep in mind there are so many new faces that are coming to these teams and it takes a lot of time to get that on-court chemistry you can practice all you want but at the end of the day nothing's going to compare to what you can do on the floor together and how you build those types of reps and understanding what each other wants so early on you're going to see some teams fall you saw Indiana do it um, you saw LSU on the women's side do it. But I think that a team like Illinois, who lost to Marquette, Makaira Cook, their starting point guard, hasn't played. She's been out hurt. So that's a team I think is going to make a run to be ranked in the top 25. 
Michigan is very intriguing to me on the women's side as well because they have so many transfers that have come in that are really talented. The MAC is one of the best. It is the best mid-major conference in women's basketball. They have some players. I'm really excited to see how they adjust to the next level. Um, and then you have you know a team. I'm so curious about Penn State right now. Another team that's added so many transfers. They are as of yesterday, we're leading the nation in field goal percentage at 57%. So they're efficient. McKenna Marisa is like my age at this point. She has like 85 years of eligibility, but she's finally in a really nice groove to start out the season. I think she had more than 30 against Kansas, but they have Ashley Owusu, who's going to be a familiar name to Big Ten fans. She was at Maryland for a couple of years, transferred to Virginia Tech, and now is found herself back at Penn State. She's been out with an injury, but should be back soon. And Taylor Valaday, uh, who was at Marquette as well, is on that Penn State team. They're very interesting because they can score. My question is, can they consistently defend? We're going to find out. But from top to bottom, there's just, I mean, you can insert team here and the sentence can have the same impact. You know, what's so interesting is there's there's teams that have all these newcomers, whether it's freshmen or through the portal. And there's this freedom of the portal now that, you know, when we were playing, you had to sit out of here. Now, you yeah. don't. And so it takes time to build that camaraderie. But then you have some teams that that stay put and do have continuity from last season. The teams that have a lot of transfers. Do you think like, I know you said like, okay, yeah, nothing replicates a game. But what do you think they can do to fast track that camaraderie? It, it was seen clearly in a LSU, but talking more with with the Big Ten. How do you fast track bringing a group together? I mean, with Ohio State even, you have Celeste Taylor who comes into the starting five, who was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year at Duke and has a high-level understanding of basketball. The only way you can fast track, it's understanding, I think, also off the court, getting that chemistry going, because if you can, I mean, you both can speak to this. If you have that trust with your teammates and that friendship off the court, it translates to on the court. So, making sure you're just kind of like getting in the gym as much as possible with each other, I think helps. But at the end of the day, like you just have to play games and it helps when you, I love how coaches and we're kind of seeing this across the board play top tier opponents. Maryland's a team that's playing against UConn. They're playing against South Carolina to start out the season. And I love that because you're testing yourself early and you're trying to gear up to big 10 play. Cause a lot of times the league's so competitive as a coach, like you have to get some cookie cutters on the schedule just so you can have like, a decent record and a little bit of confidence headed into league play. But I love the coaches that step up to the challenge. And I think the best teams that need to build chemistry quickly are the ones that find a good balance between scheduling those cookie cutters for lack of a better term and scheduling like the big juggernauts. Such a fine line, right? Like you yeah. want to have the confidence, you want to have the record for all the reasons. coaches are like, don't come at me for not scheduling these championship teams because I, I need to at least be above 500 headed into league play. So I, I, you get it from both sides, but as a fan, you're like, can you not play insert seven names in one school, um, you know, as an opponent? Like I, I see both sides. But what's so great about the women's side right now, if you're going to play a power five team, more chances than not, it's going to be competitive and you're going to, you mean, you're, you're going to really have to play a mid-major and even some of those, right. Um, are not, I mean, it's not guaranteed. Um, so yeah, let's, let's switch topics. Now we, we mentioned some teams that we think are sleepers, any specific players, and I'll start this one off. Um, and Megan, let me know if I'm going nuts here, but Genesis Bryant from Illinois 
intrigues me. The ability to shoot from the outside, over 40% from three last season. She's had to play without Makaira Cook, which means she's been in that lead guard position, had a career high. Of course, you know, the competition wasn't necessarily amazing in that first game that Illinois had, but her ability to put up big points when the team's leading score is out. Um, and I was a shooter, so I'm, I'm biased towards her style of play, but she also has the ability to facilitate, get into the paint. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Genesis Bryant as a sleeper in the Big Ten? You know, it's funny. I mean, I'm wide awake on Genesis Bryant. I'm with you. I love her. I loved her last year. I uh, thought she had a great, she transferred from NC State a year ago into Illinois. And I mean, people who are just kind of new to the Big Ten on the women's side, you have to understand Illinois was so bad. Like they were the cookie. Seven wins two seasons ago. It was so bad. Shauna Green's one of the best young coaches in our game. And it was a fantastic job to go out and get her to come in. She brought in some transfers from Dayton. She brought in, I mean, she brought in a ton of transfers. And that team came together quickly. But Genesis Bryant being one of them from NC State, so she had come from a program that had won at a high level playing in the ACC. She does a great job scoring the ball in a variety of ways, whether that be shooting. But now without Makaira Cook, it's almost a good challenge for her to have to be that girl to to step up and take on a lot of the scoring um, duties. So she's that's a good one. I like it. Um, I'm with you. I'm, I'm wide awake. I love I love me some Genesis Bryant. I think on Ohio State, Taylor Theory is somebody who gets – little to no recognition, but just does everything for the Buckeyes, especially in that press. She sits on that back line or she's up front. She reads passing lanes so well. She anticipates at a high level. Uh, I, I think she's got such a high IQ and doesn't get talked about enough. And then one more sleeper I'll give you. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk this much, but I'm going to. Shining uh, Sellers at Maryland is a well-known name. She's going to have a massive year. She's kind of been in the shadows of some of the other greats that have been before her, like Diamond Miller, who just went to the WNBA as a first-round draft pick. Cheyenne is 6'2", and she's taken on full point guard duties, and she's averaging 25 a game, and she's a high-level defender, and she can rebound at a high rate. So when you can rebound as a guard, you can play a lot faster. I love her. I think she's going to have a huge year, and that's someone I'm looking for. Love it. Robbie, your time to shine. Who do we need to be talking about on the men's side? <laughs> I'm I'm going to go with a trio of point guards who were freshmen last year and are now sophomores, and the three of these guys look like they're ready to make the jump to be big-time players in this league. First off, Doug McDaniel had 26 at Madison Square Garden last night and seven assists. Uh, he's just a jet. I mean, the way he can go, the pace he plays with, St. John's tried to press him last night, and it was it was game over. So I think he's really worked on his game as a guy that's a breakout candidate. I'm going to go Braden Smith uh, from Purdue. Uh, last year, as a freshman, having to run that show, admirable job. They did a nice job of, of being a freshman point guard on a team that was one of the best in college basketball. But he, he just looks like he's playing with a different level of confidence, looking for his own offense. If teams want to play drop coverage to protect against Zach Eady, He's just getting to his spot in the mid-range and from three and pulling up. I, I love how aggressive he's been. He he was kind of on a mini triple-double watch last night against Xavier. Then I'll go Bruce Thornton. I saw him Friday against Texas A&M. He had 24. End of the season last year, he was tremendous. And he was one of the guys that I think kept that Ohio State team together as they went through that tough stretch of losing 13 out of 15 games last year. Um, but they made that run to the big in the Big Ten tournament to, I believe, the semifinal and uh, a tough loss against Texas A&M, but he was one of the, the, the bright spots. Had 24. 
I think those three guards are three guys that even though it's been so much about the bigs the last couple of years in the Big Ten, we're starting to see some of these young guards make their mark on the game in the league as well. And I think it's a tandem. It's all a product of each other, right? You got a, a dominant big in the post, right? It opens up things on the outside. They always say play inside out, right? And, and so hopefully some of these guards are thriving because of that. Let's switch to the stars. Okay. You've already mentioned Zach. Eady. I can't believe we're like 17 minutes in. Have we even said Caitlin Clark? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, Caitlin Clark from Iowa, Zach Eady from Purdue, both national players of the year. Uh, for Zach, you, you mentioned the fact that, um, you know, Purdue lost in that first round, but he got some really great experience on the national stage this summer yeah. playing with the Canadian national team. And then on Caitlin Clark's side, I mean, she's just been on a tear since the scene even started. It's like she picked up where she left off, now all-time leading scorer in Iowa women's basketball history. Um, Back-to-back, is that realistic for us to talk about? And either of you go on either side here. Megan, you go ahead. I, at this moment in time on, in the month of November, I don't think Iowa has the depth it takes to get back to the national championship game. What made the Hawkeyes so good, and they have been freaking blast to watch they had such great inside out game monica sonano who was a WNBA draft pick uh, was one of the most efficient post players in the country i mean she never dribbled the ball when she got it and her and caitlin clark were like peanut butter and jelly she found sonano in the open floor every single possession there was a post touch and when you get post touches it forces the defense to collapse and it opens up so much on the perimeter so iowa shooters you had so many different factors but it was because sonano drew so much attention So you don't have that consistent, really solid big who takes up so much attention on the scouting report. So now teams are going to be able to feel a little more comfortable, double, even triple teaming Caitlin Clark at times. Now, I've been really impressed with how they played against Virginia Tech. I thought that was – I wasn't expecting them to come out like that. Kate Martin's one of my favorite players in the Big Ten just because she's so tough. She's like the, the person on the team that you hate playing against, but you want her on your team. Uh, she's going to do some big things. Hannah Stolke is another one. Um, Sydney and Fulcher had like a hundred million rebounds in that game. Um, I know as well, but you know, Clark finishes with 44. Can she consistently score? Is it going to take her to consistently have to score 44 points for them to keep winning at a high level? And is that sustainable? We will find out. What did you see for me so far in these first couple games? It looked like Caitlin is getting to the rim mm-hmm. in different ways. And she's not, and I don't want to use the word settle because she's never settling when she takes those logo threes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that is a rhythm shot for her, mm-hmm. but just her ability to get into the paint. Cause she knows she's going to have that shot if she wants it. Did you, did you see more of that in these first couple games? I'm glad you said that because yes, watching her. And I was thinking this, Caitlin Clark doesn't get enough credit for her athleticism. Like she's really athletic. And she's six feet tall. She is quick and she's quick with the ball. Her handles are so tight that she can maneuver so well with or without the ball. I like her attacking because look, the more you attack, the more people are going to come up to you and try to make, or try, sorry, where they're going to back up to give you some space. And she's going to have now room for her shot. I like her ability to attack. I think Iowa does a great job of playing fast. And when she gets the rebound, she's going full steam ahead. Like if you don't stop her, at half court, she's going to just go straight to the basket. But she's way more athletic than people give her credit for, and she's really quick with the ball in her hands. I mean, at the end of the day, she's a flat-out scorer. That's, that's what she does. 
Yeah. So somebody, somebody emerging down low is, is going to be key. Ravi, how does Purdue redeem themselves? And does Zach Eady go back to back? Thoughts? Yeah, I think Purdue is hoping to not go back to back on being one seed that lose to 16. So I think that would be a, a goal of theirs this year. Um, with Edie, yes, he can go back to back. And I think he will go back to back. Didn't think he played overly well last night. And he had 28 and 11. <laughs> so he missed a bunch of bunnies and jump hooks that he normally makes. Um, so I, I just, I look around college basketball and I think who can maybe challenge. And I just, a lot of the guys that are the top players aren't going to put up the numbers that he's going to. I mean, this is a guy that had eight games of 30 and 10. You know, I, I had 30 and 10 in one college game and it took the greatest half of my life for it to occur. Who I made eight against? Ohio state and, and then we lost in the second half. So it, it just, he did that eight times. Like, and, and it just was like, it was nothing. And led the country in double doubles. Just a phenomenal season last year. I think his numbers might go down a little bit because I do think the pieces around him are more equipped to handle some of the scoring load at times. Lance Jones has been a really nice addition transfer from Southern Illinois. Braden Smith seems like he's taking his game to the next level. Miles Colvin last night played really well. You just got so many weapons on Purdue's team. And that's what I kind of feel like about the other guys that could challenge him. You know, if Tyler Kolick ended up averaging nine assists a game and led the country in, in assists, then, yeah, maybe he could challenge guys like Armando Baycott, you know, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Donovan Klingon, Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all really good players, but I, I just don't think their numbers will pass what Zach Eady is going to do. The thing you worry about, I suppose, is like a voter fatigue. You know, it, I think you see it in the NBA all the time where there should be guys that win multiple MVPs. Shaquille O'Neal would argue this. <laughs> he would make this argument from his time of playing that, you know what, they just got sick of voting for him. So they gave MVPs to other people. Um, that could be a factor here. But he, he is set up to have a monster year. And it's because he's just a really good player. And at seven foot four, the way he moves is freakish. He runs the floor. He moves his feet. He, they actually had him switch some ball screens late in the shot clock a little more this year. And he's done a nice job containing the bounce. He's nimble. He's athletic. He rebounds outside of his area and he protects the rim. You know, I I just, he's the most valuable player in college basketball. And to me, it's really not close. What's going to be real quick for the record. Caitlin Clark will be the MVP again of the Big Ten. I don't know if I'm that clear. Yes, no, she will. I thought you meant if Iowa was going to win the championship again. Yes, no, Caitlin Clark will though. Uh, be the MVP of the Big Ten. She's but like, Robbie, Let's <laughs> I want to follow up with you about Edie. Purdue such an interesting program. Obviously, you can speak to this. I mean, Purdue's a program that has consistently had a seven-footer on the roster that's been dominant. And someone like Zach Edie, like a couple of years ago, just watching him on the floor, he didn't have that coordination as much. And now all of a sudden, I mean, he could go back-to-back potential national player of the years. What is it about that program that develops big so well? Well, I will say we didn't have seven footers when I was playing. We would have liked to have had some. Yeah, I'm sure you would have. Yeah. It, it happened the year I left. AJ Hammonds came in and started this run of like AJ Hammonds, Isaac Haas, Matt Harms, Zach Eady. I feel like I'm leaving one more out, um, but they have just had enormous human was beings. Was one again? No, he was like six Lord nine, Lord. but also a, a first team All American, good yeah. player. Yeah. Um, you know, Purdue has had all these bigs, and I think you have to give credit to Matt Painter for saying, you know what, we're going to recruit these big guys and we're going to develop them. And I think Brandon Brantley, who's an assistant 
at Purdue has been since 2013 or 14. Um, he's in charge of, of being with those guys. He won three Big Ten championships as a player at Purdue. He, he does a phenomenal job of getting those guys to buy in and getting them better. But I, I think there was a time where, and I think this happens with all coaches, you know, and I, I actually think I know where this happened for him. Matt Painter maybe had a shift of ideology. You know, we were playing in the Sweet 16 my sophomore year in 09 against UConn. And their front line was Hashim Thabit, um, Stanley Robinson, Jeff Adrian. Massive front line. I mean, Thabit was 7-5, and we just got murdered on the glass. And I think he kind of started to think, you know what, if we're going to win big, we've got to start imposing our will on the offensive boards, winning the defensive glass. Because when we would play a team like Michigan State when I was in school, we knew that if we were good in transition defense and just hung in there on the glass, we could we would be in the game to win. Even if we didn't shoot the ball great, if we did those two things, we'd give ourselves a chance. And it felt like we were hanging on for dear life with the rebounding at times because they would just try to punish you. You know, that's the Tom Izzo football pads era where they were, they were just annihilating teams rebounding. Um, so I, I think that's kind of shifted for him, and now they've had success. But once you have success, now you can recruit to it. They just had another kid that's seven foot tall commit to them. They, they just they get them, you know, and they develop them, and they make them good players, and they go on to have success. Well, and now there's history of development at that position with that height. And so if you recruit and you see that, the proof is in, in the pudding there. Yep. Let's finalize some of these predictions that I can't stand that we'll do anyways. And I do, I do believe, I mean, specifically on the Caitlin Clark side of things, like she will be the Big Ten player oh, of the year again. That's likely national. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, watching this is going to be like, what the heck is wrong yeah, with this? She's not going to talk to you when you show up in Iowa City, Meg. Right. <laughs> no, not, not, don't want to make the Hawkeyes mad. That's right. Who wins the regular season, though? Who wins the regular season? Who wins the tournament? And who goes to the NCAA tournament? So let me let me back up. Who wins the regular season? Who wins the conference tournament? And then which teams go to the NCAA's? Anyone ready with their answers? I'll go Indiana and the women's side will win the regular season. Okay. Even though they just got it handed to them by Stanford, that team is has too much experience and depth to to not be able to figure it out over the course of the next couple of days. Um, Like they play Murray state on Friday. That's going to be, I'd be scared if I was Murray state, but uh, tournament, it'll be either Iowa or Ohio state, which is funny. It's a flashback to last year's um, tournament championship game, but Ohio state, the way they press, it's not the stereotypical style of the big 10. You don't see a ton of pressing the way Ohio state presses their athletic uh, they get into passing lanes. You're just not used to it as much. So I think that style really throws people off and they play so fast. Mm-hmm. And then I think you can get seven, eight teams once again into the NCAA tournament, just depending on how things shake out. I'm curious, you know, Michigan State, how are they going to be? They have a new coach. They have some new pieces in from the portal as well. I spoke about, you know, Michigan itself, Penn State. Northwestern's interesting to me. They've had – um you know, they're averaging 90 points a game this year, and they had a point guard in Caroline Lau who's leading the nation in assists per game. Now it's early. It's only been two games, but what does that mean? Um, but I think there's a lot of different teams 
that have a chance to push to be that like seventh or eighth team that gets into the tournament. Yeah. And if, if you get eight, you're probably the conference with the most, I mean, ACC last year had eight on the women's side and that was the most in the country. Yeah. Right. So the big 10 is right there in terms of impact on the national level. Okay. Robbie, just a reminder, regular season tourney and who goes to the NCAAs? My regular season's Purdue. You know, they won the league by three games last year. They bring almost everybody back. And I think they have three guys that really help their team in Cam Heidi, Miles Colvin, and Lance Jones. Um, they won the tournament last year, too. I'll go somebody else just because I feel like the percentages, like to, to say that a team wins both the Big Ten regular season and the tournament back-to-back years, that seems like a lot. Purdue could certainly do that. But I will go – I'm going to go with Illinois. I'll say Illinois wins the Big Ten tournament. That's harder to predict because it's a one-game one yeah. deal, whereas regular season you get 20 cracks at it. Um, NCAA tournament teams, Purdue, I would say, is a lock. I like Michigan to make the NCAA tournament now after seeing them through three games. Wisconsin will make the tournament. Illinois makes the tournament. Michigan State, not a great start, but that could change tonight if they beat Duke. They'll, they'll make the tournament. I feel pretty good about Iowa getting in there, I think. Maryland, tough start. I think Kevin Willard can write the ship. Uh, Northwestern will be interesting. I'll go, I'll go eight. Okay, uh, but that means Ohio State and Indiana don't make it. So maybe nine. I- I'll go with eight though. I'm going to go with eight teams yeah. in the Big Ten make it this year. We the Hoosiers are going to kill you on that one. I know, but I've seen them. I've seen both. I've done both their games, and it has been uh, tough looks through Army early, early returns. Army looked good. Army though. Megan is 340 in Ken Palm. They lost to Stonehill and Marist. They they were averaging 41 points a game going in to the game, and they were 360 in offensive efficiency. They look good. They look good against Assembly Hall, but they have not been good the rest of the season. No, they took like a gazillion threes too. They do that, and Indiana does not defend the three well at all. So sounds like not the best recipe. No. Speaking of recipe <laughs> and a topic that is going to bring a lot more controversy than your predictions is when we transfer to food here. Mm, you all right. have been to every Big Ten city. I am embarking on my journey here. So I've been to Purdue, Iowa, Northwestern, Penn State, Michigan State. So good start. Um, so far, the city and campus that I've loved the food the most is Iowa. I love uh, Iowa City, downtown, Mickey's. I just liked the vibe, and it wasn't cold yet either. (laughs) Well, you just wait two months. I know. I'm going to be living in Iowa this winter. I'm like, just get me an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Break it down. I feel like I've, like, at points I've lived in, like, Nebraska. They have a – my favorite coffee shop is The Mill. That's a great little spot. Um, they have brewed flavored. I like brewed flavored coffee. Like, I don't want syrup in my coffee. Like, I want a brewed. And they have that, which is, it propels them to the top of the list. Um, Northwestern, Bat 17. Hello. Fabulous burger. If you're in the mood for one, that's a classic. Um, I forget is that in downtown name. Evanston? Downtown Evanston. Okay. I liked, I was just there. I liked I like the vibes. What's oh, um, oh my gosh, Robbie, what's the pizza place in um, Bruno's? Oh, Bruno's, but it's not open like like it used to be. It's an awesome spot, but it it's only open for like private parties and, and carryout. Their pizza's good though. Pizza's really good, and they had a, a bunch of memorabilia that was really sweet. 
something going back to like the 60s. For football, they get us pizza and wings after the meetings, like the Purdue PR staff. From where? From where? I know. I'm like, where? I need to. I need to text. I'm at Purdue for football, not this weekend, but next weekend, so I can report back to you and find out the answer to that. Um, and it's only a place that does like thin crust square. Slices. Oh, that's gotta be monocles. It's gotta be monocles. They say it's like a Purdue thing. Well, um, monocles is like a, they also have one in champagne too, but I would like think that's monocles. Money. If it's thin crust and square, I, I would bet a lot of money. It's monocles. Mother bears in Bloomington is good pizza on the subject of pizza. It is. It is um, I need, I like, I did not come fully prepared for this. I love a good, uh, like, restaurant bar always. Same. And I will be at the bar with my laptop out like a nerd. <laughs> I mean, we got to work, right? So yeah. I want my glass of wine and my food, and then my laptop's out. So I'm being. Here's what I recommend if anybody ever has to go to, have to find Indianapolis, and you're going to Purdue, Indiana, you can go to Ohio State from Indianapolis. You can go to like six different schools from Indianapolis. Go to Cafe Patachu, it's the best restaurant in the Midwest. It is good. Good breakfast there. Indy? Indianapolis. Okay. Highly recommend. So you guys are both going to be at Purdue soon? No, I'm done with Purdue. Oh, Zora's done. All right. Well, next time, if you guys said you like sitting at the bar and eating, the Purdue Union has a new restaurant, and it's called the Boiler Up Bar. Really cool, good food, and pretty cool atmosphere if you are looking for that type of thing. But at Purdue, to me, the chicken wings at Harry's are amazing. They're really good. Harry's is a great bar. It's uh, kind of a little bit like a dive bar, I guess, on campus. I, but say, I didn't know they had food. Oh, yeah. The food's good. The chicken sandwich with the wing sauce is good. And you have to get this, the chips with seasoned salt and cheddar cheese. It's not the healthiest meal in the world, but it it is. it's where it's at. The wings are good and the chips are good. In Minneapolis, Murray's, you know, when I played for the Timberwolves, oh. if you went on – Sid Hartman's radio show. Sid Hartman was this legendary radio uh, talking head in Minneapolis. He lived to be like 100 or 101, and he was on the air till he was like 99. Like it was, it was really impressive. But if you went on his show, you got a free gift card for the silver butter steak for two, which is like 100 bucks. And I think it's, it's gone up in price a little bit since then. But so I was like, I will come on the show anytime <laughs> you ask because I, I love Murray's. And the vibe at Murray's is great. Old school steakhouse, really, really good. And I got a shout out in Illinois. If you like deep dish pizza, Champagne, Papa Dell's is where it's at. Papa Dell's pizza is so, so good. So if you're looking for some pizza, deep dish, and Champagne, that's the spot. I, I have more of a question um, to wrap us up, and you all need to school me on this: the Big Ten and the overalls and the game day overalls. I've seen it a lot in football. Will I see it in arenas and in the gym this winter? Or is that just a football thing? I think Megan, it's probably really? more of a football thing. It's I, more football. You'll who see does it? I, I, I've seen Iowa do it, maybe. Iowa. Every, Indiana. Indiana has everybody has these overalls. So oh. yeah, I haven't really noticed that about color if I had to get them at Northwestern. I was like <laughs> wait, wait, were people wearing them at Northwestern? Yes. Oh. Megan, have you seen have you seen that in basketball? No, I haven't really seen it. I mean, like, I've seen candy striped pants. No, no doubt. No but doubt. never, I haven't really seen overalls. Maybe it's, like, because it's cold outside. Right. Uh, but you know the overalls I'm talking about. They're like, I know, no, the striped ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, no, I haven't really 
see them. No. Yeah. Oh, what a bummer. I know. Okay. Well, we can do a little. The overalls get they get put away in November. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're only they're only a summer summer and fall outfit. In, in right, right. Probably for the best. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all. I can't wait for our food recaps to evolve as the season goes along. We will all re- report back on our favorites. First episode in the books. Go big. Go home. Go home. All right. Go big or go home.